Welcome, everybody, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Leftover Pizza Podcast. I am your co-host, Grimy, and I'm sitting here, like always, with your other co-host, Derek. Uh, no. I, <laughs> I, as of this moment, I am going by Ichabod Crane from here until October 31st. So, you can call me Ica, you can call me Bod, you can call me Ichabod, but don't call me Derek. <laughs> All right, Mr. Ichabod. Drop the Mr. and we're, we're good. Uh, Mr. is your formal. dad. Mr. your dad name. Yeah, Mr. is my dad. Mr. Okay. Ichabod is my dad. All I'm right. Just Mr. Bod. Mr. Just Mr. Bod. All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ichabod Crane. That's a, that's a great segue into this here. You know, it's a cartoon. It's a very lovable cartoon. And it's one of them things that we've probably all seen before as a kid. And that's exactly what today's show is all about. Halloween, oh. horror-adjacent things oh. that, you know, reminisce yes. with uh, children. Let me tell you, don't let anybody tell you that you're not good. Because you, you are good, my friend. I don't know, I stumbled and fumbled there. It, it was pretty harsh, hey. but... No, no, it's all right. I mean, really, though, what a what a lovely, fantastic transition. Uh, if I'm being honest with you, I forgot that that was the topic of tonight's show. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's Halloween. Uh, I'm Ichabod Crane. Oh, yeah, I guess we are talking about when horror goes kid-friendly. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that back around because I was like, where are we going with this? Am I going to talk about a Mario game again? I've done that too much this year. No, absolutely. No Mario right now. We are strictly talking when horror goes kid-friendly. And when you really break it down, we all know our goosebumps. We all know Are You Afraid of the Dark? Spooky stories to tell at sleepovers, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're, we're familiar, right? Put some respect on my man's scary stories to tell in the dark, volumes one, two, and three. You gotta oh, say you it know, right. No, no disrespect. It, you gotta say it right. No disrespect you know. intended. Uh, we love all those things. And I, I may we have do. skimmed through them really really quickly but no we love those things exactly that's what you're saying i mean and everybody loves those things those shows those movies it's all the stuff that we grew up on and it's a little bit too on the nose and we wanted to just dive a little bit deeper on this episode because when everybody brings up kid horror we can expect to hear about rl stein and the greatness that he is but you know what no nobody ever talks about is is what we're going to talk about on this show tonight and i believe i'm starting this one off so uh let's jump right into the old meat potatoes <laughs> spooky let's meat and do, potatoes let's do let's do that yeah can can they be more spooky like maybe like rare meat and potatoes rare meat and so potatoes. it's like a little it's bloody like, it's like bat meat and potatoes you just got out of the trash like, like purple potatoes or something. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, I guess. Oh man. Yeah, you should start now. Let's <laughs> let's kick off this Halloween season. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start right now. All right, Derek, are you ready to talk about Frankenstuff hot dogs? Oh, you are talking about Frankenstuff hot dogs? You're such a liar. You've never even had those in your life, goddammit. I picked them up once. 
I never had them, but I at least picked them up. I grasped them with my fingertips. Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? You actually did send me a very ominous photo with no description of you hollowing out a hot dog the other day. So I, I just assumed that that's what it was about. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going with the hot dogs this time. We're actually going with a, I'm assuming, little-known product from 1991, Frankenstuff from Fisher-Price. Are you familiar with this item? No, I'm, I'm really not. And now I'm a little bit more concerned about that picture of the hot dog the other day. <laughs> so Frankenstuff from Fisher-Price. Um, as typical uh, Fisher-Price fashion, he's a plush, but he's also like a learning activity kind of thing, right? So he's got all kinds of weird gizmos and gadgets on him. And one of them things I'm assuming is from two to six-year-olds and they're just developing skills and stuff like that. They get to play around with a little buttons and bobs that are all over this thing but when you really take away all of that and you're not thinking that in your head when you look at this thing head on he's kind of fucking awesome i mean he's this plush made out of windbreaker material you know he's a typical green frankenstein skin kind of frankenstein going on it's it's a really cool toy Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you actually sent me a photo of this because you recently picked one up, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did. It was uh, probably about a month and a half ago, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up that he's made out of windbreaker material because when you sent me that photo, the first thing that started rushing through my head was this is a starter jacket meets those pumpkins that you used to see in magazines that your oh, mom yeah. might have had in the late 90s do you know totally. what i'm talking about totally yeah where they used to instead of carving jack-o'-lanterns they would set up these like beautiful shots in these magazines for like pier one and there would just be these painted pumpkins and they had just a very specific style about them they had these like wavy goofy peanut smiles and like these big like cherub like cartoon eyes i if anybody knows what i'm talking about or maybe what that style is or even who the artist was that made those pumpkins help me out i am floundering here i remember what they look like i don't know how to google it to actually find them again but either way frankenstuff is those mixed with a starter jacket and it is like the most 90s toy going because not only is it both of those things but it has the Ultimate third pillar going on here, Grimy, right? Which is an homage to the Universal Monsters because kids in the 90s love their Universal Monsters. Absolutely. So it's like your mom's pumpkin mixed with that one Cowboys jersey thing that you had that you don't have any idea why you've gotten it. And also our <laughs> beloved Frankenstein from the Monsters. You are <laughs> <Yeah>. 110% correct. <laughs> but that really, that's the biggest reason I think that I'm bringing them up and why I think it's such a strange concept. Frankenstein is really just a bunch of pieces of different cadavers put back mm -hmm. together to form one human being. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I th I'm pretty sure in the uh, the uh, Universal Monsters version, they put like a, uh, what is it, like a serial killer's brain in his head. They like mix up the brains and give him a, a, a brain that they didn't really want. And that's why he goes crazy. Yeah, the brain was Abby Normal. Abby, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Abby. No way, that's a different one. Same, same, uh, same, same concept. Shape, you know? Absolutely, <laughs> they're both black and white. But yeah, uh, I just think it's an interesting concept that they uh, decided to go with that for a kids' toy. And obviously, they're like Derek said before; they are kind of riding that that 
success of the Universal Monsters and Pepsi Frito-Lay tie-in that just jazzed the uh, early 90s. I mean, it, it works. It does work. I mean, it, there's a lot of cool things on this toy, too. I mean, he's got the painted nails before the Backstreet Boys made them cool again. Oh, yeah. But these are numbers, so. Yeah, that's right. So you could learn, technically. You yeah. know, you could learn how to count with your uh, Franken stuff. I almost called him Frankie Stein. Frankie but that's, Stein completely different toy um and the thing that i really like about this that you pointed out is that he has a zipper on his forehead you open it up and this little plastic spider that's attached to a string on the inside pops out or you can open it and put it back in close it up but i'm assuming but, you have other plans for that little little, little head package oh, there. Yeah. oh yeah listen all i have to say is that it was really a good thing that I didn't have this toy when I was a kid because any toy, any stuffed animal or plushie that had a secret compartment like that, bad news for me, bad news for my waistline, okay? (laughs) I wasn't going to be stuffing that spider in and out of his head. No, that spider was always going to be hanging on the outside of old Frankenstuff's head. That was going to be a candy pocket, all right? How genius would that have been? I would have taken this thing to my grandmother's house. She had a really kick-ass candy bowl. <laughs> I would have loaded that shit up before I left her house. I would have gone to sleep with Frank and stuff, and I would have been stuffing my face with peppermint patties and Hershey's Kisses every night. Peppermint <laughs> every patties? Every time I visited her house. Oh, man. I don't know about yeah. peppermint patties. Maybe a couple of uh, Butterfingers, some BBs, or some Skittles. I don't know. Listen, I am the least uh, impressed person when it comes to mint as a dessert except for york peppermint patties don't know what it is don't know why that's the case but those slap and i will defend them till the day i die either way they're inside of frankenstein's head now so (laughs) so automatically 10 percent better than they were if they weren't inside of frankenstein's head they come out at night they strike without warning but now it's your turn to get even Electronic stretch screamers. They scream when you stretch them and come back for more. And when you squeeze their heads. Oh no! Here we go again! Electronic stretch screamers. You can battle them all. All right, you started with a toy, so I'm starting with a toy tonight. I'm bringing up a little toy called Electronic stretch screamers have you seen these have you heard about these oh yeah i know about these guys these are some pretty fucking awesome toys uh something that i personally missed out on but i take it you had a pretty good history with i did so unfortunately here i can't give too much of a proper history or backstory on these because for whatever reason stretch screamers aren't all that well documented on the internet So, as far as I can tell, these came out in the early 2000s. I'm going to say anywhere between 2001 to 2002, maybe even early 2003. I'm going to say that I probably got them in about 2002 for my birthday. So, November of 2002. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. That sounds about right. I vividly remember my mom not really knowing what to get me for my birthday that year. And she asked me straight up, what do you want? I think not too long before my birthday, we had been at Toys R Us 
And I noticed stretch screamers on the shelf. And I sort of made a mental note because I really thought that these were a super cool toy. And I was kind of foaming at the mouth to get my hands on them. So either way, I said, stretch screamers. She said, great. Took me to Toys R Us that night. Let me pick out two. So I actually walked away with their version of the Wolfman and their ghoul. So I don't know if you've seen many of these, but the ghoul, I feel, is the one that everybody gets excited over. Do you know what the ghoul is and what he looks like? So that's the one that looks very, very uh, similar to the the Scream mask, right? Uh, He's... He's almost identical. almost identical. And before you get any further, I just want to stop you really quick and say how fucking jealous I am of you going to Toys R Us. Not only just going to Toys R Us, but Toys R Us to get a, a fucking a, a stretch screamer of all things. Like the um, the Stretch Armstrong knockoff of like your favorite Halloween character. This is just <sighs> match made in heaven. Well, that's... That's exactly it, and I'm glad that you brought up Stretch Armstrong, because I think I mentioned it on a previous episode, but I did not have any of those toys growing up. I didn't have a Stretch Armstrong, I didn't have a Vacman, and I know that you did. That was, like, a big toy for you, especially Vacman. I know that you loved your Vacman. Totally. So, I missed out on that, obviously. I think that toy goes back to the 60s or the 70s, maybe even before. Different variation, for sure. You kind of rode that second big wave, mm-hmm. you know, at the late 80s into the early 90s. So you caught that and I missed it. So Stretch Screamers was really picking up where Stretch Armstrong was lacking at that point in history. And let me tell you, I'm really glad that I didn't ever have Stretch Armstrong because these things were like, if I'm being realistic, these are like 10 times better than Stretch Armstrong. Not only are they monster-themed, they have a plastic base, so you could actually stand them up. They had plastic legs, so these things could sit on your shelf and look like little collectibles if you wanted them to. Obviously, electronic stretch screamers, they had a little voice box in them, and they would scream when you smacked them around and pushed a button, which was fantastic. (laughs) You make it sound like like, you're the abusive husband or something. Smack them around. Well... (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you just got to get that frustration out. And what better place to do it than on a toy, you know? You're not hurting anybody. (laughs) I mean, I'm with you in spirit. (laughs) (laughs) But the real cool thing about these was their heads. So inside of their heads, they had almost like a stress ball, but a stress ball that's made out of like a a rubbery plastic material. And inside of it... It had this goopy, colored, glittery, almost liquid. So the werewolf, it was a lesion on his cheek. So when you squeezed his head, this big old boil would come out of the side Mm. of his cheek. And it was yellow and pussy looking. And then for the ghoul, their ghost face version, it came right out of his mouth. And it was blood red, and he kind of looked like a bullfrog, like throwing up blood. It was disgusting. And I loved it. Do you think they just filled them things with uh, that, what's that alcohol? Hypnotic? That stuff that has like that weird real <laughs> iridescent looking shit that's in it? Uh, probably, because <laughs> I, I'm almost positive that nobody was actually buying it to oh, drink, so yeah, there's probably a surplus does. of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be something to test out. Get our hands on a couple of these, 
and yeah. just pop the ball, take a shot, see see if it's uh, still you know hypnotic inside <laughs> or not. Absolutely. So <laughs> I do love the concept of stretch screamers. Uh, will I say that they're better than Stretch Armstrong? I'm going to say that there's room for both worlds in one dimension. And I'll also say that the the ghoul is probably my favorite one from that series. But there's another series, and I believe it's called Stretch Scream Oozers, where it's kind of like that yep. ooze it knockoff. The guy, the little fucking rubber guy, you put the ooze inside and he just it all just like squeezes out of him. Uh, I think that might be my favorite series out of all of these characters, and I'm really, really upset that I missed them. I think I was like 13, 14 when these came out, so not really collecting toys as far as like a nostalgic or just a kid aspect either, just kind of in the middle. Yeah, and you know what? That's fair. And the, the last thing, uh, well, last two things I'll end on is, one, I, I'm shocked that, well, I guess I'm not that shocked. If you were about 14... Um, they did get their own Happy Meal line in 2003. Mm-hmm. But if you're 14, 15, you're not getting a Happy Meal. So right. I'm not surprised that you didn't end up getting one of their Happy Meal toys. But that's actually how I found out about them was the Happy Meal toy. Interesting. <laughs> it was, yeah. Interesting. On a whim, I got a Happy Meal and this is just happened to be in there that one time. Oh, okay. So that's interesting to know. And I needed to bring up the Happy Meal line and the McDonald's tie because here's the deal. Stretch Screamers should have been bigger than it was. I sure, totally it agree. got multiple lines here and there, but it really felt like sort of a flash in the pan thing, which I guess if you think back on other toy lines and especially toy lines from the 80s, that was sort of the norm. Most stuff didn't last past a year or two. It would hit really hot and heavy, be very popular, and then it would fizzle out, out and kids would move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that sense, it is sort of like a classic toy line. But what this lacked that those others usually ended up getting was that it somehow made its way to McDonald's and got its own Happy Meal tie-in without having any of what you would expect in a toy line um, that gets that far. So, I mean, if this released in the late 80s or early 90s, Stretch Screamers would not have just been a toy line. It would have been a cartoon. There might have been a straight-to-video animated movie oh, yeah. on this. We could have gotten some terrible novelty record where the Wolfman and the Ghoul <laughs> were, like, rapping over some... MC Ra- uh, Hammer ass fucking knockoff <laughs> songs, you know, like that's what Stretch Screamers could have been. But in the early 2000s, it never quite got there. And right. that's what I guess is the most disappointing thing about it and kind of what I want for it. So I would love to see this come back in some way, not just as toys, but as a whole thing. Like, Let's bring it back. Let's go hard. Give them their own fucking TikTok channel for all I care. Just let's see monsters. Let's see monster toys. Let's see a brand come back. And that's what kids are lacking these days. It's it's monsters, man. It's monsters. I freaking love Halloween. I freaking love bats. It's bats. turtles are primo swimmers. We meet again. I'm not thinking about any of these bizarro places, but I am! Hey, dude, I'm getting just 
Just who are you? They call me Creepy Eddie. I know we just talked a lot about Ninja Turtles just a little bit ago, but I'm going to talk about them again. (laughs) The shock of the century. Big big surprise. Who could have foreseen this coming? This, I'm telling you, there's good reason for this one. All right. Yeah, okay. There's always a good reason. But I'm hearing this new good reason. reason. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, another new good reason. So Yeah, yeah. I believe it was season six, episode nine. In 1992, the Fred Wolf series, there's an episode where Donatello invents this machine called the Dreamovision, which brings your imagination out in like a hologram. So the turtles are all testing it out, and I believe when they get to Raphael's portion of the episode, out comes this strange character who kind of resembles Freddy Krueger. But he's more like a ghost figure. He's kind of this like ghost thing. He comes to like his lower half comes to a point. He doesn't have the claw hand. Uh, the color's a little bit different, but the sweater's there. The hat's there. There's similarities. Yeah, so he's like if Genie from Aladdin clashed with Freddy Krueger and they made some weird sick little love child that lived exclusively on the 1987 TMNT cartoon. And they named him Creepy Eddie. <laughs> I just, oh! oh uh, and he's creative. not voiced He's not voiced by uh, Randy Quaid, which is the most shocking part about this. He should have been. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would have just topped it right off. <laughs> Cousin Eddie, Creepy Eddie. It's yeah. natural crossover, absolutely. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's obviously this huge knockoff of Freddy Krueger. Um, I'm kind of seeing some similarities here from the, the, the cartoon and the movie Freddy vs. Jason later. And I'm wondering if the people from Freddy vs. Jason saw this and was like, you know what? They did it. We're taking it. You know, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to stop you there and say <laughs> this isn't as far-fetched as it, it might seem at first. Because... Right. If the rumors are to be believed about the production of the now 20-year-old Freddy vs. Jason, they were just doing whatever the fuck they wanted to do on that movie. They just, I think, (laughs) went right in, balls to the wall, no plan, and they were like, whatever we want to do, we're doing. So, yeah, maybe they were big fans of the Ninja Turtles series, and they said, yeah, uh, Creepy Eddie, I'm taking it. So what I'm referring to is uh, in in Freddy vs. Jason, everybody who's seen that knows that when they pull Freddy out, they do it through like a dream sequence kind of thing where the, the girl is dreaming and she holds on to him. They wake her up and he's pulled out. Well, something kind of similar to that happens in the Turtles cartoon where Donatello realizes he's holding on to an item. I think it was like a spear or something like that. And... Uh, once he takes the the uh, dream of vision off, he's still holding the spear. This could all be bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest surprise of this show is that Creepy Eddie wasn't a character to begin with. Grimy just made him up specifically for this episode. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. That's it. None of it's real. No, it's, it's real. It's definitely real because he's actually coming back in the comic series, Saturday morning cartoon version of the uh, Ninja Turtles com- comic series for Halloween this year. He's featured on oh. cover B. I don't know if any of that's going to pertain to the story. I know a lot of comic books, the cover doesn't always have anything to do with the storyline, but I'm I'm assuming this will. 
I don't I don't see any other reason to bring him back other than to sell comic cover variants to people like you. That's fair, but I don't know. I'm I'm I've got a I've got a hunch on this one. I'm pretty sure. Actually, you know, that's actually quite the genius business model. They throw it on this year's cover, you buy it multiple covers and you're expecting him to be there. He's not there. So next year, they throw him on next year's cover for the Halloween special. And then he's also not in next year's. And they keep doing this year in and year out. And you're pissed. You're just ripping. You're saying, why keep teasing Creepy Eddie without giving me Creepy Eddie? So you're saying it's like Mountain Dew Voodoo when everything tastes like Skittles? Yeah, they're just going to keep tricking you into buying it over and over again. And then the one year that they don't put him on the cover, that's when he actually shows up in the comic. <sighs> Those bastards. Well, uh, one thing I'm, I'm curious about is how they got away with this. Uh, I mean, we had not long before that, we had the uh, A Nightmare on My Street from Will Smith, and they got sued for something that I felt like really wasn't that big of a deal. But this was pretty blatant ripoff, I feel like, and they got away with ah, it. See, now here it is. This is the fine line between an homage, a wink and a nod, and blatantly selling your product as this is Freddy Krueger. Clearly, it's an homage to Freddy Krueger, creepy Eddie. Will Smith said, fuck you, this is Freddy Krueger, this is his song. And he didn't even ask, so that, I think, is the fine line, Grimy. Mm, I don't know, technically his name was just Fred. Okay. He's burned well, up like a weenie and his name is Fred. Come on. Okay, That's yeah, homage. you know what, that's <laughs> true. You know what, that is homage. That is homage, you're right. Shame on me. Slap me silly and call me Chris. Chris. <laughs> the vegetables we bought the night we found Benicula. That's right. And since that night, has either of you bothered to feed Bunicula? I thought you were going to feed him. Why should I feed him? You found him. You were both responsible. If you're going to have pets, you have to take care of them. The poor bunny was probably so hungry, he left his box in search of vegetable juices for nourishment. But why just the juice? Because he's just a baby. Well... That explains the white tomatoes. Okay, Grimy, uh, close your eyes. Well, close them. Are they closed? <laughs> They're closed, man. They're closed. Okay, hey, all right, what's this? Do you know Do you know what that noise is? Sounds kind of like a, a book. Oh, my God. Is it a book? You're right. That's a book. My eyes weren't closed. Oh, son of a bitch. You trickster. You're a little trickster. All right, well, your eyes weren't closed. Can you read what that says? Can you read what that title says? The Bonicula. A rabbit tale of mystery. Just for this podcast, for all of you lovely people sitting here listening, I sat down and I read a book for you all. I mean, I read a book for me, but I, I also read a book <laughs> for you. That's just the kind of guy I am, Grimy. I, I commit to a bit. Okay, what, you know, I don't care what anyone says about you. You're a solid guy. That's that's class. That's class. I'm I'm a classy guy. You that's know class. what can I say? <laughs> That's right. Um, so I decided to buy and then sit down and read a full, albeit children's book, but a full book for this episode all about kid horror. Benicula, A Rabbit Tale of Mystery. Beware the hair, Grimy, or, <laughs> or don't. Um, so here's the deal with this one. I actually had this book as a kid. Uh, I think I've mentioned it in the past. My uncle used to work at Scholastic. And because he worked at Scholastic, Derek got a lot of free books as a kid. A lot of free books. 
Uh, he knew that I was into the scary stuff, the horror stuff, so I got my fair share of Goosebumps books and scary stories. I got all three of those from him. And in one of the piles he brought over one day was this book here, Bonicula. And I remember pulling this one out and looking at it because on the cover, at least the book that I have here, it's got a little rabbit with some evil red eyes and two fangs. He also has the little Dracula's oh, Widow's peak. peak. Yeah. You want to hold that cover up He's really got quick? got the Widow's Peak. Yeah, here you go. You see his nice little widow's peak? <laughs> so the uh, the color, it's like all in pink. So I get a Christmas story PJ's vibes from it, but like he's got the, uh, the fangs, the widow's peak, and I really love the font that they chose for this too. If I seen this in like the scary movie VHS section in like a, a video rental place, I would have picked this up immediately. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely look looks like it could be like uh, a cheesy '80s B horror type of a movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, if this were on a VHS cover, not that it is. We're looking at a paperback, but also behind Manicula, there's this big ominous shadow so here's this book i have sitting in a pile in my room when i'm a kid and i always kind of glance over it and i'm like yeah i'll get around to it one day i'll read this one day uh well of course that never happened <laughs> i never got around to that relatable there's a lot of other stuff there's a lot of other stuff i was reading between books and chapter books then nick magazine and then the internet and then in video games and then movies and, you know, fast forward and then we're here doing a podcast and, um, wow, I still haven't read Bonicula. So the opportunity sort of presented itself when we were talking about doing a kid horror show. And I said, you know what? I'm going to close that chapter, literally and metaphorically, of my life by reading this book I never read. So that's exactly what I did. I no longer had that copy from when I was a kid, so I ordered up a copy, and I sat my butt down in a chair, and I read this thing cover to cover. And let me tell you something. This was a very disappointing read in terms of kid horror. <laughs> I'm just surprised you found the time to read. I can't even find the time to make dinner, let alone read a fucking book. Listen, I found the time for you. <laughs> for that's you. Why, that's I why did Derek this has for class. You. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um. So here's the deal. Like, it's not a bad book. And if you're a kid, I imagine it's a fairly entertaining book. But it um, it's definitely being sold, at least to kid me, as something that it's not. And I should have known better, Grimy, because the tagline right here on the front cover is, Today, vegetables. Tomorrow, the world. The world. <laughs> and like clearly that's not very serious <laughs> so the whole deal is that this book is written by the family's dog um the monroe family it's a mom a dad and two brothers pete and toby and then they also have a cat chester the cat and harold the dog who is writing this book and harold is writing about the account of the monroe family who one night goes out to see a Dracula movie and they come back with this little bunny that they found wrapped up in a blanket in the back of the theater. And to him, he had a little 
Transylvanian tag that said something that wasn't really important. So basically, they build up this whole thing of they get this rabbit and they end up naming it Bunicula because the mom says, name it Bunny. And then the kid says, no. And then they were like, well, we were at a Dracula movie, so we're going to call it Bunicula. It's some world-class writing. (laughs) (laughs) It's... (laughs) <laughs> something <laughs> they, i love the concept i really do i love the concept of bunicula it's it's a good concept and i mean there's a hell of a lot more books than this like on the back cover alone i think i'm seeing six more so maybe at some point in this book series it gets a little more into the kid horror territory but i mean honestly the creepiest thing that happens in this book is that the rabbit keeps getting up in the middle of the night to go to the fridge and suck all of the juice out of the vegetables. It drains the juice in the same way that a real vampire would drain the blood from a body. So the family in the morning just keeps finding pale white vegetables devoid of color. So it doesn't actually kill any human beings or animals or anything. No. Just fruits and vegetables? Just fruits and vegetables. And uh, the, the only thing that is, like, happening, the only person who thinks that there's any sort of urgency and danger is Chester the Cat, who is going fucking nuts this whole time. He's like, a vampire's in my house. A vampire's in our house. I need to take this thing down. Typical cat doing cat things. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's a cat being a cat. And, and everybody else is like, no, nah, he's cool. And that's basically how that's the book it, goes. Just like, They're just like, that's our pet. He's different, but we love him. We just we just <laughs> let him suck the juice out of uh, carrots and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. uh, that that's very lukewarm. If I'm <laughs> if I'm being honest, I I listen listen. I think the scariest thing about this is that I spent two hours reading it. That's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't have much to say about Bunicula because I haven't read it. Um, I'm glad that you told me a little bit about it. I'm going to end this with pitch, we'll say. Okay. Yeah, sure. So everything's fine and dandy. They find out that the, the bunny's actually like a, a Dracula vampire kind of thing, but he just eats the veggies. They find that out and, you know, years go by. Everything's cool until he gets a taste of blood. Rated R. Starring Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> I heard him yelling in the castle. Fix me. His name's Bibrain. Fix me. I said, I'm going to fix you. The <laughs> talking monster, Bibrain. I'll fix you, Big Frank. Monster Boy fixed. <laughs> I need real now, Frank. It's always fun to fix him. The talking monster, Bibrain. Frank talks and his eyes light up. Battery's not included. If 1991 was the year of Frank and stuff, then surely 1992 was undoubtedly the year of Big Frank. Big Frank? I know that guy. He's my buddy. Oh, no, not that guy. I don't know that guy. No, I know a different guy, Big Frank. This one looks a lot less Italian. (laughs) Ah, forget about it. (laughs) So Big Frank... From Play School, 1992. Uh, very similar concept to Frank and stuff, and the, the idea that he was for kids, and you know he had the uh, learning activities attached to him. Frank and stuff. He was a plush. This is actually like a chunk nugget kind of 
giant figure, <laughs> I guess you could call him. Would you would you say a chunk a, nugget giant figure? Yes. Yeah, he's he's like yeah, an oversized figure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, can you hold him up? Can I just take a quick gander at him? Yeah, yeah. So I definitely get the chunk nugget. He's not very articulated, correct? No, like five points of articulation, probably. Yeah, so with him being a chunk nugget in limited articulation, um, I think he actually has a brother who happens to be a robot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> It's Inspector Gadget, uh, isn't it? It's Inspector Gadget, yes, based <laughs> off of, I, I think, the 1998 or 1999, whatever it is, Matthew Broderick film. Um <laughs> Yeah, I can Listen, see the resemblance. I got to see it right away. And it makes a lot of sense. They're they're both um, stitched together in a way, especially the McDonald's Ma- Matthew Broderick oh, yeah, toy. Absolutely. Because you had to go out and collect all whatever it was, eight pieces, to make this big, oversized, not very articulated toy right. that was you know, uh, made up of different uh, bits and bobs in the same way that Frankenstein is. So That's fair. in a sense, right, I, it's not wrong. He did get a brother. <laughs> Inspector Gadget is a uh, big Frank's long lost brother. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. That's I mean, it's it. canon. That's it's canon. canon. You heard it here. That's canon. Yeah, mm-hmm. you hear it here first. Yeah. That's canon. So this uh, version of the Frankenstein, and again, 1992, obviously riding off of that uh, Universal Monsters boom in the 90s. He has this little uh, bolt here in the middle of his chest, which opens up the chest area and he has like some gears there's a heart and a little lever here a couple buttons on the inside and he comes with a couple of tools that you put inside of his head you take out and the idea is you fix them you crank little areas on the inside or you use a screwdriver to swivel things around and press a button he'll tell you if he's fixed or not if he's fixed he'll say i'm alive or he'll say fix me and yeah it's it's a pretty awesome toy. I wasn't, when I was a kid, I wasn't concerned with actually fixing him as I was just hanging out with him and enjoying his company. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. That is, that is so much more pure and sweet than I thought you'd Dude, go it with, is. You know? It totally is. Because you know what I was thinking in my head is you were talking about how you can, you know, tweak and twist the things inside of him. And all I could think of was that Simpsons bit where Krusty gets his own version of the operation game. Oh, yeah. And then if you you do it wrong, there's like, he says different phrases. That's where my brain was going. You know, ow, oh, you just tweezed my, my wing. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Uh, what do you think about his, his uh, getup, though? He's got the bright orange tuxedo look to him. Very uh, very Lloyd Christmas of him, wouldn't you say? I yeah, I was just about to say he he definitely has the Dumb and Dumber special on right there. That shade of orange, that gorgeous shade. It looks like he's about to go uh, fuck up a benefit and kill a couple <laughs> snow owls. <laughs> I mean, he's even got like the haircut too to go along. He with does. It. He's got the, he uh, does. the pumpkin cut. Yeah, it's actually it's funny because I was looking up. Um, packaging for big frank the other day mm-hmm. and uh actually right on the packaging it says he hangs by the bar and he puts out the vibe <laughs> right right on the package for the toy so did you ever have this toy as a kid by the way i i never did no. i i didn't but i know that you technically never had it either is technically, that right yeah technically i didn't so he was one of them toys i feel like everybody has a toy or 
a game or something that stays at their grandparents' house. And he was totally one of those for me. She would tell me, every time I was there, this is yours. Go ahead and play with him. But he stays here. And if she thought she was fooling me for one fucking minute, that all my other cousins weren't playing around with him like I was, she got another thing coming. I'm, (laughs) I'm aware of these things. He had marker marks all over his face a couple of times. I didn't do that to him. I would never. I treated him with respect and dignity. And you look and see what are these other little assholes are doing to my boy Frank. Absolutely. Boy, I, threw, Frank. I threw some respect on his name. I didn't dirty him up with no goddamn markers. <laughs> yes, I also had uh, one of those toys, by the way. Uh, specifically at my one grandmother's house, the Super Nintendo was mine. But it was everybody's. And that used to piss me off. Don't tell me it's everybody else's. This yeah, is this, mine, lady. Bullshit. I take care of it. I keep those games in pristine working order. We're not doing this right now. That's Derek's and you get to use it when you're over visiting. So I'll just end this segment on we love Big Frank, but we hate our grandparents. <laughs> 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 From Touchstone Pictures, Ernest P. Worrell is back. And I ain't never had a job. In an all-new movie. Am I impressed? Ernest P. Worrell. It was good. Darn one of us. The man with a hundred faces. But wait, there's more. And a million ways to make you laugh. Well, I've never known when to quit. Just ask my fourth grade teacher. He never knew when to quit. Oh. Ernest Scared Stupid. Way to go, Ernest. All right, Grimy. For my next pick, I am I am fucking amped. I'm I'm gonna throw out a line here. I want you to tell me if you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> ready? Okay, I'm ready. Ready? I'm gonna hold on. <clears throat> Trying to get my best smoker's voice going here. All right. <clears throat> Yay! I call thee fourth trantor. Ernest goes to camp. Ye- no. No, we're in the Halloween season. Was there was there a troll in Ernest Goes to Camp, Grimy? Oh, you were talking about Ernest Goes to Jail. <sighs> no, 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 no. <laughs> You're thinking about Slam Dunk Ernest, but I'm also <laughs> not talking about Slam Dunk Ernest. <laughs> no, I am talking about 1991's Ernest Scared Stupid. Oh. Okay. What a classic. What an absolute gem. If we are talking about kid horror, this is as kid horror as it gets, okay? At least for me, personally. This was definitely, absolutely, without question, my gateway into the genre. Not Goosebumps, not Are You Afraid of the Dark. I saw this before I saw any of that stuff or read any of that stuff. This is where it began for me. This, this is my, this, this is, is my your, big uh, your nineties THC, <laughs> your nineties <That's>... marijuana. <laughs> it was the gateway. Yeah, yeah, that's it. My gateway. Okay, um, I get what you're saying now. I didn't know where you're going with yeah. it, but I'm there. No, I completely, I definitely get it. Uh, this movie, and I'm going to say it right in the beginning here. It reminds me of everything that was good about the Halloween season as a kid. It reminds me of going and getting McBoo pails and carving jack-o'-lanterns, going out and getting candy. But it's been a really long time since I watched this film. And I did watch this in preparation for this show. 
And I kind of forgot about how fucked up it really is. <laughs> no, for sure. There is definitely, definitely some fucked up stuff in this movie. And um, we'll get to it eventually. But what I want to say right off the bat is that this movie actually released before Hocus Pocus. And Hocus Pocus seems to get all the glory. It does. It gets right? a lot of praise. And there's nothing wrong with Hocus it's Pocus. Fine. I love Hocus Pocus. It's it's fantastic. In recent years, it's you know maybe gotten a little bit too much attention to yeah. the point where it's a little bit to its detriment. Mm-hmm. But not, not taking anything away from Hocus Pocus. What no. I will say is that this movie is very Hocus Pocus in its yeah. way, in certain ways. And uh, honestly... Sometimes it's even a little bit better than Hocus Pocus, but there are definitely some similarities. Namely, um, in the beginning of this movie, like the way that it starts out, not even talking about the opening montage. We'll get to that in a moment. But at the beginning of the movie, they're doing a whole angry villagers, torches, grabbing of the evil thing. So in Hocus Pocus, it's the witches. Uh, because, you know, they've been stealing children in the village. And in this movie, it's a troll, right? Yeah. So all the angry villagers are are grabbing this troll because the troll has been stealing kids and turning them into these little wooden puppets yeah. versions statues. of themselves. Yep. Statues, stealing their souls, mm-hmm. right? So that's very similar to Hocus Pocus. And the thing that really sells it that I think Hocus Pocus actually stole from this movie is we find out that this opening scene where the villagers are capturing and putting the troll in the ground and burying him alive, the troll puts a curse out on on everybody and says I'll be back in a hundred years and I'll be back every hundred years to do the same thing just like the witches we find out that this whole story it cuts to an elementary school at Halloween and the girl is telling the story for her Halloween presentation just like in the beginning of Hocus Pocus so what we're really trying to say is that Hocus Pocus stole Ernest Scared Stupid's Thunder uh, yeah, it kind of did, and it took all the glory with it. It really so, did. So, uh, in the last segment, you were talking about putting some respect on Big Frank's name. I think we need to put some respect, respect, respect. <laughs> put some respect on his name. No, honestly, I've been <laughs> saying Ernest's this for years name. now. Like, I can't see why we can't have companies like NECA put out official figures. I don't see why. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Hocus Pocus. But they're beating it to death. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's played out. We love Hocus Pocus enough, but it's like there's other other you know good things to talk about. And Ernest Scared Stupid is plainly one of them. Definitely one of them. So I mentioned how Ernest Scared Stupid was my gateway into horror, and I mean it literally starts as a gateway to horror for kids from the first frame of the movie. So they do this whole thing at the top of the movie during the intro credits where they cut together like, I don't know, 10, 15, oh, yeah. 20 Easily. old black and white horror movies. Mm-hmm. And they take some of the best clips. So old monster movies from the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. And so you just see clips of monsters and old scary scenes. And they cut that together with Ernest reacting yeah. to those clips. And it is like 
the best opening for one of these movies that you could ever ask for. Because not only are you getting those scenes and those monsters and that exposure, but dude, that song that they play over mm-hmm. the intro fucking slaps. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's very goosebumpsy, you know what I mean? It has that kind of feel oh, yeah. to it. But it, it it just puts you in the right vibes. It puts you in the right headspace to enjoy this film and the season in general. Oh, absolutely. So I think if we can find it, we should definitely try to throw it on a Halloween playlist oh, fuck this yeah, year. Dude. But even if we aren't able to do that because Spotify and streaming is weird, you need to go to YouTube and look it up for yourself. Either watch it or find the song and listen to it. Because here is straight from my notes. This is what I wrote down. This is the style of the song because it's all instrumental. There's no lyrics, nothing like that. I said while watching it that this song is somewhere between the Munsters theme, the Seinfeld theme song, (laughs) and a McDonald's Halloween sound effects cassette tape. It's It's like if you blended those three things together, that is what the beginning of Ernest Scared Stupid is. It is. It's wow. I couldn't have said it any better. That's that's perfect. That's it. I'm done. I'll retire. (laughs) <laughs> that's it yep go home well you are home go upstairs home. yeah 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 all right can we jump into the fucked up parts now <laughs> absolutely uh definitely jump into the fucked up parts right after i say this <laughs> okay so right before the fucked up parts start happening i i think that you probably might have taken note of it because i certainly did i had forgotten about this so the three main kids that are hanging out with Ernest, who end up helping him fight the troll and everything. We see them in the beginning of the movie, and they've actually built their own yard haunt. And that was huge, because I had forgotten that. It's not a very significant portion of the movie. It's literally like a minute or two. But it all came flooding back when I saw that. Like, this is one of the reasons. This, in 1987's Summer School... um, there's a scene where all the kids have like special effects makeup on horror makeup. Um, but this in particular is what got me into the idea of like doing a home haunt. So mm. I just thought that that was cool. So it, it did influence me as a kid, not only to get me into scary things, but into making scary things as well. So I thought that was pretty rad to see. It is pretty rad. Um, I think the parts, the two parts really quickly that do it for me are the, uh, the building of the treehouse and, uh, the little battle that comes after in between there, but also them going into the supermarket and stealing all the milk and filling up all the super soakers with milk. I thought, yeah, those, as soon as I watched those two, it's like, it all flooded right back to me. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. This is. Oh yeah. This is Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. And just a, a couple quick things here, like the, of their time pop culture things. Mm-hmm. We will get to the fucked up stuff, I promise. (laughs) I had to write these down because these were too good to not write down. First, uh, we learn that Ernest, and this makes a lot of sense to me, is a wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. All right. Absolutely. Because he does mention at one point in this movie that he's seen Hulkamania three times and once in slow-mo. So that's actually where he learned some of his fighting moves was from Hulkamania. He could throw down. Hulkster taught him the way. And then another point, um, this is just sort of speaking to, okay, I said I wasn't going to talk about Mario at the top of the show, but I'm doing it now. This speaks to both how in touch Jim Varney 
and the the writing crew were with kids of the time. There's a line where he says, end of the line, real deal. Eighth level of Mario Brothers talking about how tough something was going to be. So awesome. That is like the finger on the pulse of a generation right there. Not the fact that he he just mentioned Mario Brothers, but like eighth level Mario Brothers. Like that is some dedication to the bit and making me believe that he is a big kid, which is what this whole movie is trying to do is make you believe that he's a big kid. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, I I never picked up on that when I was a young kid because I watched this movie before I had Super Mario Brothers 3. And then, like, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I watched it just the other night. I was like, oh, my God, that's the best fucking reference I've ever heard in an Ernest film, like in any film. It was great back then, and it's better now for a couple of nerds who are literally sitting in our basements uh, (laughs) talking (laughs) about about old movies. He was playing the long game with that one. It's like, yeah. there's a couple guys 30 years from now who are going to really appreciate this Mario joke because they're kids right now. And it's mm-hmm. like, yep, you nailed it. You got it. <laughs> All right. Now we can get into real meat and potatoes here. Yes, absolutely. Let's get there. You brought to my attention a little while ago that these trolls are repurposed killer clowns, right? Yeah, yeah. So... The Chiodos brothers who worked on Killer Clowns and they were responsible for Large Marge in Pee-wee's yes. Big Adventure, um, they also did the effects in this movie. So I'm sure this movie had uh, somewhat of a shoestring budget. So instead of creating all new trolls, what they did was make a, a blend of new and then they actually pulled from the same characters in killer clowns and just repainted them to look like trolls instead of clowns so if you look closely you can actually see oh, yeah same ones like i think maybe slim i, I don't know their names man but they're they're there they're there You'll see yeah them. you definitely you can see pick and choose which ones you're looking at like oh there's a couple of uh features from one of the clowns there's a couple there it's was really weird and like the way that they die is very killer clowns like how they have that kind of evaporation thing going on. But I don't ever recall this when I was a kid. I, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but they fucking disintegrate into a pile of like blood and bones. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) It is straight body horror. Like scary. Okay. Like it's a movie about trolls. It's a little creepy here and there. Like at one point, the lead troll is talking in the voice of the little girl that he steals her soul. And like, that's spooky, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's creepy. Ooh, it's a little eerie. Like, but when these trolls die, like you're saying, it's a fucking puddle of troll goo, like bloody <laughs> troll goo on the ground. And I, I forgot that as well. So last night when I was finishing this up, I, I literally looked at my girlfriend and I said, what the fuck? That's yeah. body horror. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> that's that's I, I, nasty. I swear, to, I swear, I was watching it and it did like the little uh, zapping disintegrate thing. I was like, oh, that's not so bad. And then it was like... Yeah shot down to the bottom where it was like all laying i was like oh my god they really just, just did that whole soup yeah oh. I was like, wow so that's a scary strike two i would say uh the first the killer clowns turned troll suits and then the uh troll goop death i think that's that's insane um strike three for me is indefinitely the um the wooden child statues I, that whole concept just scares the shit out of me 
Yeah, I mean, the idea that you can be not killed, but mm-hmm. trapped as a little miniature wooden version of yourself for maybe a hundred years or more. Yeah, is totally. Just purgatory, but in like the weirdest, creepiest sense, because traditional purgatory, like when we talk about that, it's like, well, we don't know where you go, right? Like that's usually you're talking about a soul. Like you know that you're dead and that your soul is trapped somewhere between heaven and hell. Like this is like you're not dead. You see what your body's become. It's this little action figure (laughs) and you know that you're a little action figure and that is messed up. (laughs) It's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and then, like, we actually see a couple of the kids that are from hundreds of years ago after they've been, like, set free to say, like, how fucked up is that for them to just be in this world where there's, like, cars and shit? And uh, also, Yzma. <laughs> Yzma from... Yeah, Yzma. <laughs> for his new group. And Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I mean, think about their lives. They're fucked for real now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just... um unnerving it's an unnerving concept uh, there's a couple other unnerving things as well i mean just the troll's voice alone trantor's oh, yeah. voice is mm-hmm. um right in the beginning of the movie when he's talking when they're burying him alive uh it's unsettling and like i mentioned the little girl's voice that's also creepy but for my money and i think this is where i'm personally going to end it so if you have anything after feel free I will say that the creepiest moment in this movie is what I'm calling my large Marge. So let me explain this a little bit. Obviously, I've seen Pee Wee a number of times. I've seen the large Marge scene. It scared me as a teenager. It scared me as an adult. It's a creepy scene. The problem is I didn't grow up with Pee Wee. I discovered Pee Wee in my late teens, and that's when I fell in love with the character. So I never had that moment that everybody else who probably listens to this show or that we know and talk to online, I didn't have that large Marge moment where that was the thing that scared scared and scarred me as a kid. What I had was Trantor and the little girl's bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a jump scare i I wasn't anticipating i was like oh there there the fuck he is like that that's nightmare fuel it's just they set it up so beautifully because you're questioning yourself especially as a kid they're setting it up and, and they're making it seem like trantor's in her room but you don't see him anywhere and then they do the classic thing of mom can you please check under the bed and the mom's telling her that she's crazy and so they do the slow build up you know, the music that keeps getting more and more unnerving. And finally, she looks under her bed, and all that's under her bed is a little stuffed teddy bear. The moments pass, you're relieved. She gets back on the bed and rolls over, and there he is, big old troll face, laying right next to her in her bed. That fucked with me when I was a kid, just as bad as Large Marge fucked with everybody else, because I was that kid who thought that there was something in my closet or there was something under my bed. And the idea that something could be in my room that we couldn't see and move silently, undetected, onto the other side of my bed, that when I turned over and I rolled around and I would see his face staring at mine, that was a huge fear of mine. In general, as a kid, not necessarily mm. that it was a troll, but that something was on the other side of my bed waiting for me when oh, I would yeah. flip over at night. Very unpleasant feeling. 
Yeah. So, boy, this was a long, long talk about Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> but we're just, we're just passionate. I mean, if anything we're going to talk about tonight is worthy of the When Horror Goes Kid-Friendly moniker, it's this. It's this, this is sure. This is the one for me. Mm-hmm. This is it. And it's not currently, as far as I know, streaming anywhere. Like, I have the VHS tape and I believe the DVD. Uh, this can't be more than a couple of bucks on eBay or whatever. You, you need to pick yourself up a copy and pick watch yourself it up sometime. A copy. Absolutely. You you owe it to yourself if you haven't seen it in a long time or if you've never seen it before. Buy yourself a copy. It 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 really is that good. Once again, foolish friends, Freddy Krueger is on your phone. Dial this number now. I've got some tales to tell. Freddy's favorite bedtime stories. <laughs> Dead time stories. All brand new and straight from my boiler room to your home. It's Freddy Krueger on your phone. So dial this number now if you dare. Tell them Freddy sent you. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you die. Up front, I just want to say that you could think about this segment here as a general shout-out to all the really, really cool Freddy Krueger-inspired toys that we got as kids. Because, boy, there were a fuck-ton of them if you're not in the know. It's funny with Freddy Krueger, um, specifically, because Freddy was not intended to be kid horror. Ever. No. Like, at all. Mm-hmm. But he was just so popular that, I mean, you mentioned it earlier in the show with the Fresh Prince, where Fresh Prince was really catering to kids. And later with the Fat Boys, their song that they did with Freddy Krueger kind of played to kids or or teens. Um, so Freddy Krueger, despite having these really, really scary movies, got a lot of merchandise that was eventually just like presented to kids and then kids accepted it as being for them. Even if the movies were too intense, there was still stuff like toys, like you mentioned, in a Nintendo game. Like, of course kids were going to adopt him as their own. Oh, yeah. I totally see it. Now, this was a little bit before my time. Most of this stuff came out around 1989, right around when I was born. So, unfortunately, I missed it. But, you know, being the nostalgic freaks that we are now, I'm able to kind of live it vicariously through other people and, you know, experience it for the first time now. So I went ahead and bought a few of these items myself just recently. Uh, we'll start here with the the LJN Freddy Spitballs. These, uh, they are exactly what they sound like. They're little water toys. You just kind of you squeeze them, put them under water. They suck up water and you can spit them at your friends or whatever. Um these weren't exclusive to Freddy. They also made some Friday the 13th ones and some Ghostbusters ones and actually some Universal Monsters ones. But I'm going to say that the Freddy ones are probably my favorite. And I love that they come with not Freddy, but they also come with a victim too. So they're like the victim's face is all torn up. Just a really cool concept. And LJN, they did a couple other things as well. They did like a rubber Freddy figure as well as like a little squeezy like stress toy Freddy. LJN, they were all over this stuff. They had the game licensing. I guess they landed on spitballs. (laughs) The spitballs were perfect. Um, My uncle that I mentioned earlier in the show who got me books, he was also the same uncle who was an absolute horror freak and still is. Um, So when I was growing up, he was actually still living at my grandparents because he was the youngest of their children. 
So him and I, we were like, buddy, buddy. But I was petrified of anything and everything monsters. But he was also like my favorite uncle. So you see the conflict of interest here is that Mm. when I was down their house, I wanted to hang out with him. But that also meant hanging out in his bedroom that was full of horror stuff. Not only masks, but posters and, of course, these toys. And so I actually remember those toys, those spitballs. Um, He had them lined up on his shelf, the Freddy Krueger ones. And he also had the Friday the 13th ones that you mentioned a little bit earlier here. Um, And I remember out of everything in his room, those were the things that I gravitated towards most because like, yes, they're based on something scary, but they were clearly designed for kids, like for somebody like me. And while he was in his 20s and he owned and bought them, like it also played to to somebody, you know, who was three or four years old too. Like, oh yeah, they're very cool. Mm -hmm. I had no interest in Freddy, but I did love those. Absolutely. And, I mean, we were already familiar with stuff like Mad Balls, which this is pretty much a Mad Ball knockoff. I mean, it it fits. And it's it's a great way to get horror in the hands of children, among other things. Uh, There was a couple other companies, real quick, they did a bunch of stuff for Freddy, uh, namely Matchbox. So Matchbox, they did two things. They had... A uh, a G.I. Joe kind of Barbie-esque figure from the Max FX series, uh, which also included a Xenomorph and it included Dracula and Frankenstein. But Freddy was easily the, the coolest pick of the bunch. You guys have seen the Urkel doll. You've seen the Ernest doll. There was also a Freddy doll in the same kind of ratio that that those other two in with like the, the weird cloth body and the plastic head. Just a really cool figure, and I believe he either had a button or like a, a pull string kind of thing. And I'm just thinking back how fucking awesome it would be to go to bed at night with my friend Freddy in my arms. <laughs> just calling you a bitch, you know. Go to sleep, bitch! Can't escape me, bitch! Like, come on. <laughs> I, I, you see, see in the application? See you soon, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> and that's... One of the biggest reasons that I I bring all this stuff up is like, I can't believe that these things ever came to fruition to begin with. Like, this is such a a, a wild concept. But at the same time, is it really? I mean, like a lot of kids, even myself, I knew who Freddy was even before I watched any any of the movies. I knew certain things about him already. Yeah, it's not a far, far far-fetched concept. Um, You know, talking about that same uncle He was growing up in the 70s and, you know, obviously before that, the 50s and 60s, that generation there, they had the model kits, right? Right, They were obsessed with the model kits and the old Mego figures. Um, They were all making, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man. They were making all of these kits specifically for kids. And the movies might not have been for kids, but the toys made it seem like it was made for kids. Right. Um, so it, it's sort of a time-honored tradition at this point. You know, I'd like to think that this day and age, the Toonie terrorist figures are sort of, might be acting as that for kids these days. You know, maybe there's a kid who's obsessed with the Conjuring movies and he's walking around with a little nun Toonie terror and, and he <laughs> hasn't even seen the movie, but he likes it because the nun is cool. Dad picks it up. Fifteen bucks. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, you're not. I don't think you're too far off. Like, 
I could see me playing with these as a kid, these Toonie Terrors. Like, I have a bunch of them sitting above me right now. And I know I would have been fucking jazzed as all hell to have these as, like, a 5 to 10-year-old kid. The last couple ones I want to take some time to talk about are a couple of the knockoff ones that kind of gained this cult following. The first one I want to bring up is Nightmare Fetty. (laughs) Just, I just, I love saying Nightmare Fetty. Nightmare Fetty. Just something that... I don't know. It's funny to say. <laughs> um, but what I love about Nightmare Fetty is I feel like nobody really knows where he came from. He just poofed and appeared one day in the back of like old 80s drugstores. That's uh, probably how it happened. Like, it, clearly he was a knockoff figure, right? He wasn't oh, supposed yeah. to be made. Maybe somebody said, hey, can we make this? And they said, no, you know, like a real Will Smith <laughs> <No>. <laughs> scenario. <laughs> a real, real, And they were like, well, screw it. We're doing it anyways. And they just, just slightly tweaked him a little bit. They spelled it wrong on the packaging, maybe on purpose, and they mm-hmm. shipped him out the door. I have to believe that because on the boxes, there's there's like no identification on these boxes at all. The only thing that's on these boxes is Nightmare Fetty, the artwork, and Made in China. Those are the only things that are on this box. So, yeah, there's there's probably some truth to that there. And then, of course, the last thing I want to talk about here, and I'd recently purchased one because I'm a big fan. Oh, my God, he's just so beautiful. He's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Who he be? Before I even say his name, I just want everybody to know that this whole show, this whole premise... I think Grimy pitched it to me just so he had an excuse to buy this figure. He's like, yeah, 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 kid horror. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Yeah, don't worry about it. So I can buy a sharp hand Joe for myself. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, the spitballs too. I honestly bought them for the show as well, just so I could talk about them, look at them while I'm talking about them. But sharp hand Joe has been on my list for, oh boy, probably about five, six years now. And I finally found them. At a pretty decent price, and I wasn't going to say no. He took a little bit to get to me because there were the kids in college who I bought him from, but he was like, yeah, dude, he's on his way, and uh, I mean, he's here in my hands, and I can die happy now. You, you did it. You're, you're finally complete as a person. You're, clo- you're closing a chapter from your childhood. Yeah, I, am. I really am. Yeah, I, I closed one literally with Bonicula, and you closed one metaphorically by buying a Sharpan Joe. Good for you. You're healing your inner child. So that's the uh, the hidden theme for the day. Ending chapters in our uh, our childhoods of old. <laughs> and of yore. Of yore, yeah. Well, there's a yore, yeah. Who's that coming down the street? Are they shovels or are they feet? Me that like it. Skin and bone with clothes a scarecrow with hate to own. Yet he has a certain air. All right, Grammy, last pick of the evening. I felt it would be doing this whole topic in injustice if I didn't mention, if I didn't get a chance to talk about my second true love. All right, if Ernest is my first big true horror love, then my second and probably more important 
is Disney's Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the animation oh, man. way back in 1949. Ending on a banger. An absolute banger. Uh, listen, right off the bat, I'm just going to say this. Um, I'm not actually going to say it. I'm going to ask it. Okay. Do you ever, do you ever watch the first half of this movie? Mr. Toad? No. I skipped through it last oh, night when I that. watched it. So. Oh, thank God. Amazing, because I always feel a little bit guilty. Um, for those of you who don't know, Legend of Sleepy Hollow is paired by Disney with another animated adaptation of a classic piece of American literature, The Wind in the Willows, the yeah. Mr. Toad segment. Um, on VHS, on DVD, now on Disney+, Plus, they all have been paired together, and I have skipped it my entire life. I think I've watched it once. One time. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was enough for me. That's all it takes. I mean, he's a great character, great concept, but he's not Ichabod Crane, and he's not the Headless Horseman. And that's what we're there and, for. And I don't want to watch it before I, I watch The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I might huh. consider, I might entertain watching it after. So I guess what this really is is a big cry to Disney asking you, I know that this has existed for, you know... <laughs> Seventies, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just flip the order of it, okay? I might even watch The Wind in the Willows if you put it after The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. But I can tell you this, I am never breaking out my Blu-ray to watch The Wind in the Willows. I would watch <laughs> it after I watch The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, but I've said that about six times now, so I think you all get the point. <laughs> so what he's trying to say is he would watch it if it was at the end. If it was at the end, but I would not watch it, and I do not watch it if it's at the beginning. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's totally, I I completely (laughs) agree with you. And in fact, when I watched it for the first time in, I want to say, elementary school, we did skip all the way to the Sleepy Hollow part. So So it's an American tradition to skip the wind in the willows. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say about this? It's just, like, the perfect adaptation. Like, Sleepy Hollow, on its own, is a very perfectly fine story. I don't ever find myself reaching for the book. I very seldom see myself reaching for other adaptations, because I think this just nails everything so perfectly. Like... It's narrated by Bing Crosby. He is perfect. He sings the songs for the movie. They are perfect. The art style is perfect because it's classic Disney and it's whimsical and it's funny and it's well animated. And then it takes a turn and it does that classic Disney thing halfway through where when it wants to scare you, it creeps you the hell out. Old Disney did not give a shit about your feelings as a kid. They wanted to get under your skin. Oh, and yeah. when they wanted to do it, they did it. And yep. this movie does it. Yeah, they did a really good job with this. Um, and I, like I said, I, I had to watch it again to really get the uh, the juices flowing in the old noggin for this again. But I didn't realize what a slow buildup it is either. Like they really put you in this like safe place before it really starts happening. And then it just like flicks on and you're like, oh, this is... This is kind of creepy. This is kind of unsettling in its own little way. And especially if you're like a kid. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Now I loved this as a kid, um, but I always was sort of bored by the first half of it because not much is happening. You're right. learning about the story of and backstory of Ichabod, right? Mm-hmm. Of me, <laughs> Ichabod Crane, <laughs> Mister Mister Bod, <laughs> Mister Bod. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's really funny because the older I get, the more I can actually appreciate the first half of this. Because I mean, like I said before, the songs they they fuck. You know, they're they're absolutely. fantastic. Mm-hmm. They absolutely slap. It's got some really great vibes. It's got these beautiful background oil paintings. Um, which is supposed to be a take on Tarrytown, New York. And they're just gorgeous to look at. But what I really, really appreciate the older I get um, is just Ichabod. And this man is a string bean, okay? He is not <laughs> conventionally attractive. He's kind of a doofus. But for some reason, he's good at everything and grimy. I- I'm going to throw it back a little bit. We said this about the 1990 TMNT movie, about Raphael specifically, Hmm. but I think we have a new contender here when I say that not only does Raphael fuck, but Ichabod Ichabod Crane fucks. fucks. This guy fucks. Oh, he wants to. I mean, the whole time he's just like eating food and, you know, trying to get some rocks off. So I think he is getting them off. I think there's some. They just uh, keep that out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's Disney. They can't say it. But I think this dude is going around just plowing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh you were saying that that Ichabod is a string bean, and I have a theory that Ichabod is actually the live version of Jack Skellington. Ah, <laughs> uh, I could see that. Yeah, I yeah. could definitely see that. And then he becomes the pumpkin king, so you know, it all makes sense. That makes sense because a pumpkin gets thrown at him. Mm-hmm. So maybe it winds up on his noggin and, and, and he dies and, and Jack Skellington is the afterlife. There you go. That's this it. is a prequel. This is a prequel Canon. to The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Canon. We figured it out. We got there. Heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, aside from the scenery and uh, it just, just everything is beautiful to look at. And when we finally make it to the Halloween ball where he goes to, again, try being a suave motherfucker because he's trying to woo and he's trying to court Katrina Von Tassel, mm. who is, oh boy, let's just say. Stunning in all her cartoony Oh glory. boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, he's sitting at this Halloween ball, and that's when Brom Bones uh, starts singing the song about the Headless Horseman. This song is the greatest song that's ever been recorded in the history of music. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It is <laughs> Chef's Kiss. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, it's Bing Crosby singing, though, right? It is Bing Crosby singing. I love how in Halloween we have Bing Crosby and in Christmas we have Boris Karloff. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like Bing yes. Crosby, because he's like famous for singing Christmas songs. But in right. Halloween, we have him for this Halloween special. And then Boris Karloff, who is famous for his monster appearances, is singing some pretty innocent Christmas songs. So nice little, oh. little toss up there. I uh, I never made the connection. I never thought about it that way. But yeah, uh, that's pretty good. Good for you. Good right, for you. Right. Got there. That's, Kudos. That's good. Kudos. Round of a round of applause for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, the only couple things I want to point out here is that while he's at this party, I mean, this dude is eating everything that he can get his hands on. 
right? Like string bean, but has a, a never satiable appetite. He, he yeah. cannot be satiated. And the, the one thing I want to point out is that at one point he starts eating a fucking salad with a spoon. Did you notice yeah, this? I did see that. Just a, an odd choice on the part of the animators for that. A little um, bit. I respect it because my man is weird and he's going to do whatever he's got to do to put that food in his body. Oh, dude, he gets super weird with it. He fucking, he puts the whole chicken in his mouth and out just comes the bones. Yeah. You know what? He actually inspired modern day competitive eaters. I, hear. I think he did. Um, he probably did. I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Um, but yeah, so that's the party scene and we're hearing about how spooky it is and it starts getting a little spooky, scary, but on his way home after the party, that's when we start seeing the real spooky shit happen with Ichabod. There's obviously the iconic shot up, uh, to the moon where we see the clouds moving over the moon, but it looks like a big old hand covering the moon. It's very spooky. And he's hearing all these noises in the woods. He sees a tree that looks like a cloaked figure maybe the grim reaper and it ends up just being two fireflies inside of a oddly shaped tree trunk Mm. um and then obviously after that we get the headless horseman and the whole fight and blah 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 but what i'm gonna tell you right now grimy the creepiest thing that happens in this movie and it's funny that this is what used to put me on edge and and make me feel unsettled as a kid while watching this while he's in those woods, there's a point where the horse stops moving and we hear the clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. All right. But we find out it's those those nature's hot dogs, you know, the nature's <laughs> corn dogs. Yeah. Totally. Whatever the fuck those things are called. And they're making the on on a log. So he thinks he's getting chased by the headless horseman who hasn't appeared yet. And when he realizes that it's just noises of the woods he gets down on the ground starts losing his mind yep hysterical that is a part that used to freak me out dude it's all in the eyes all in the eyes It's in the eyes. He's got these crazed eyes. And yeah, I mean, obviously we just heard it, that that laugh, the reverb, and mm-hmm. he's just like hysterical. It's just the way that it's echoing that is very unsettling. So yeah. out of the whole thing, it's not the Headless Horseman. It's not any of the creepy stuff in the woods. It's that. It's him losing his mind. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that's uh, the thing that creeped me out the most from this movie. It was sort of an odd choice to put that in there too, but like really effective too. Cause I mean, they're, they're trying to get you to see it from his perspective and it's it, the, just thinking about it has drove him mad apparently. And then Absolutely. the unthinkable happens anyways. And the headless horseman chases after him. Yeah. And so he, he does cross the bridge and we don't know if he's alive or dead. Some say that he was, uh, off, fucking and eating some good food <laughs> but everybody else think he got his uh chop topped off so who knows but yeah i mean how can you not love this 
so good. I feel like it's a little, I, I think it's fair to say it's a little underrated compared to all the other tune specials that are out there. A bit. I, I could definitely see it. Uh, Disney's been embracing it a little bit more in recent years, but not enough. So No, not enough. I'm calling on all of you. If you love this version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, let them hear it. Sing it loud. Sing it proud. Our boy Ichabod, me, is going crazy. <laughs> Mr. Bod. <laughs> All right, that's about all the time we have for this one. Uh, this is a great way to start the Halloween season off, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun. I mean, come on, man. What do we do? We talk about our childhood all the time. So yeah. it just kind of made sense to talk about the things that got us into horror or some things that maybe we never got to experience as kids and uh, made me look at it in a new way instead of looking at it as something for kids as an adult, it made me look at it as I would look at it as a kid. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And plus, it's us. Leftover Pizza was built on Halloween, so you can expect probably two other shows <laughs> that are also <laughs> Halloween adjacent, just FYI. Yeah, the first of many. The, se yes. the season's here, boy. It's here. We're ready, dude. I'm so ready. I got the candles here lit. I have a jack-o'-lantern sitting on my table here lit up. We're ready. We're here for it. But in the meantime, we'd like to thank you for listening. And if you dig what you just heard, make sure you check us out on all our social media platforms. Yeah, you can check us out over on Instagram at Leftover Pizza Podcast. And it's going to be the same username on that new guy, Threads, the Twitter competitor. Speaking of Twitter, if you decide to go over there at any time in the near future, you can find us there as well at LFTOVR Pizza Club. Be there or be square. And you can also check out Leftover Pizza on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Also on Facebook, if you're already there, you might as well join the Leftover Pizza Club. It's a nice little community that we've built, and we've got a lot of cool, like-minded peeps talking about some fun stuff all the time. Uh, recently, we've been talking about hot sauce and, and spicy chips. So, you know, if that's what you're into, that's it's the place to be. A lot of good people. And if that wasn't enough, check out our website, leftoverpizzaclub.com, where you can read all kinds of nostalgic articles and junk food reviews. As we said, the Halloween season is upon us. We'll be opening up our Halloween journal for 2023 very, very soon. So keep an eye open for that. And keep in mind that we are also on Patreon. Three bucks a month gets you access to our Patreon-exclusive monthly bonus show as well as exclusive articles that will never be reposted on the site or reprinted anywhere else so you got some good reading material up there too and with that being said we keep harping on the halloween season you don't want to miss those two that are coming up very very soon on the the patreon you're gonna love them i think you'll love them we're putting our hearts into them definitely check that out and lastly wherever you're listening to us be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. All that stuff helps a great deal. We appreciate it very, very much. You have no idea. And that's all she wrote. That is. That is. So, without any further ado, May the Halloween season begin! <laughs> Don't 
bad, but the one that's cursed is the headless horseman. He's the worst. That's right, he's a bad on Halloween night. But when he goes jogging across the land, holding a noggin in his hand, demons take one look and groan and hit road from far to know. Beware, take care, he rides along. And there's no spook like spooked spurs. They don't like him and he's really burnt. He swears to the longest day he's dead. He'll show them that he can get ahead. They say he's tired of his flaming top. He's got a yen to make a swap. So he rides one night.